Hey guys, welcome to another episode of, of the Dual Vision Podcast. My name is Dominic Jackson. I'm joined by my co-host Devin Jackson. It's a wonderful Sunday. Um, Dev, man, how you doing? How was your week? Yeah, what's up, Dom? Uh, you know, excited to do another episode, episode three, of course. Uh, my week was pretty productive. Um, you know, NFL started back up, so uh, I'm running for uh, SteelersDepot.com, so I uh, essentially did a, a breakdown piece of the Steelers game against the Giants, basically a recap, and then uh, NFL Game Pass kind of was late with loading the All-22 film, which is basically what the coaches see when they're going back through film. So I was able to get a James Washington piece done on Friday. Uh, had work this week. It was a busy week of work. Uh, high school football Friday. Uh, the Big Ten Conference came back and now they're, you know, playing football next month. So I helped out with coverage on that on Wednesday. Had two live shots for that. Thursday, I uh, had a couple stories I had to do as well. So it's been a busy, busy week. Uh, you know, college football, you know, took up most of the day yesterday as well, you know, while working. But uh, it's, it's been a busy week, but it's been good, you know, starting to get kind of cooler outside, you know, sweater weather, you know, all, all that. So, you know, it was, it was a pretty productive week for me. Man, that that's not like a pretty productive week. Um, well, my week was pretty normal as usual. Went to work, worked out, same old, same old. So it was a pretty cool week. Just checking out uh, everything that's went down as far as like the NBA and stuff like that. Also being aware of other things. So on today's episode, me and my twin brother, we are going to discuss. Um, mental health awareness and how it important it how vitally important it is to pay attention to. Uh, we're obviously going to discuss the future of the Clippers and how to, and how they would be doing moving forward. Um, also breaking down the East and Western Conference Finals as well. And then me and him are going to discuss Week One, Week Two discussion for NFL. Um, discuss our our home team's performance because you know I was so proud of the performance that they put on for week one and um also discussing the state of the music world and then the most important thing on the menu today is voting 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 but and like i said as we start with our first topic in discussion um i wanted to discuss mental health today and um i wanted to ask you what does mental health mean to you yeah, mental mental health is you know taking care of yourself, being able to really take some time for yourself. I know that you know in in the world a lot of people can get bogged down by work, get bogged down by family, friends, and always being around people and trying to keep up with everyone. But at the end of the day, you got to be able to keep up with yourself and and have that internal happiness and and being able to you know, some days take a break and, and just really, you know, focus on yourself. I think, especially with people like that, that are in relationships or, you know, care for their family a lot or, or do a lot for their family, they kind of get wrapped up in it and they don't really take time for themselves to, you know, really have that internal discussion and figure out, you know, are they doing okay? You know, is, is everything too much? Are they stressed out? Are they feeling sad? Are they feeling lonely? Uh, depressed. So I feel like a lot of people don't uh, 
really take the time to themselves because they're always on the go, always needing to take care of people, always needing to do things on their list that, you know, it, it continues to pile up over time. So, you know, to me, it means just being able to, you know, be aware of how you're feeling, uh, how you're doing physically and mentally, and being able to understand that, you know, you don't have to always be strong for other people. Sometimes you just need to really focus in on yourself and, you know, cry and and feel those emotions that uh, you may be hiding from or running from because you you don't want to go to that place. So I think, you know, just being able to sit down and really just relax yourself and really just have that, you know, kind of inner peace with yourself and being able to talk about, you know, how you're feeling or, you know, either writing it down or, or finding some sort of way to express kind of your feelings and everything you're dealing with internally. I think if you're able to f- figure that out and be able to, you know, understand why you're feeling this way and, you know, is a stress just too much for you? I think that's why it's so important for people to take mental health days and, you know, take the time to really just focus on themselves. Um, I think that's just the biggest thing people deal with is being able to focus on themselves and are they really doing things that make them happy or things that they enjoy and uh, just understanding, you know, their self. I think the thing is like, sometimes we get so focused on what other people are saying about us or, you know, what other people's perception is of us, but we have to have that positive, you know, good feeling about ourselves before we worry about what other people are thinking. And even then you still have to have that own sense of you are a great person and you are someone that works hard and puts in the time and effort and cares about people. And uh, at the end of the day, loves yourself. So I think that, you know, having that a mental health awareness and, and understanding how you're feeling or anything like that, you know, it's a, it's a different process for everyone. Some people you know, should go to a therapist if they need it and have that person to talk to and kind of help them understand themselves or, you know, confide in other people that they trust. So everyone's process is different, but I think that it's important that you are aware of it and that, you know, people, you know, understand how they're feeling, why they're feeling that way and address it. How about you? Wow. That was well put. Um, just to back up what you said, um, just self-love and knowing that, you know, if you need somebody to talk to, you know, you just talk to them because, you know, a lot of people tend to hold stuff in and that's what, you know, hinders a lot of your thinking process and stuff like that. So I think being able to talk to somebody about it, about your issues and your problems, I feel like that's probably the greatest tool that we have because, if you if you continue to hold things in, it's going to hinder you in the long run. So I feel like, you know, um, as for myself, like I've dealt with issues to where, you know, I've had problems with holding things in and not wanting to talk about stuff and, you know, just going through things on my own. But, you know, I felt so much more relieved when I when I when I went, when I went to write down how I was feeling or when I talked to somebody about it, because you know, they can give me advice on how to move and how to react to certain things and situations. 
So I feel like just um, just being able to talk about it, because like I said, we tend to um, hold things in, and it's not good for you. So um, it's really it's really all about self love and doing what you love and making sure that your people are okay. You know, a lot of people, there's a lot of different variations of mental health that can affect us in different ways. And um, just being able to, to conquer those problems, man, you're going to be, you're going to feel much better about yourself each and every single day. So um, I just feel like right now it's very pivotal it's a it's a very pivotal moment right now because honestly we're still in a pandemic you know a lot of people are probably still working from home um and it's 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 kind of difficult to have a social life right now because you know going outside you know you're probably more in danger of catching covid so a lot of people are probably stuck inside not knowing what to do and things like that and that can that can hinder your mental health you know just take you just need to take mental health days and make sure that, you know, that you take, you, you just take away everything and just clear your head and just, you know, listen to music or just write how you're feeling, you know what I'm saying? And do things that is going to help your mental stability, make it stronger so that, you know, you can conquer whatever you're going through or whatever you're dealing with or what, however you're feeling. So right now, I think being in the pandemic, you know, mental health should be at the top of the list because, you know, there's no social life right now and you're just figuring out ways to, you know, continue to move forward each and every single day. And that can be hard because, you know, you don't have people that you can talk to like that no more. So, like I said, I think right now it's a, it's a pivotal time for us in the pandemic, but I feel like, like I said, it should be at the top of everybody's list. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much all I got about it. Now, let me ask this. Um, you know, you t- you kind of talked about the, the different ways that people can, you know, address mental health things. Uh, where are some ways that you uh, have been able to kind of uh, deal with the pandemic and, and deal with, you know, being in a pandemic and, and just your mental health in general, how you've been able to try and, and keep the your you know morale and, and and motivated up um for me um I, I like to do meditation um i just like to get up in the morning and just sit still for maybe like 30 to 45 minutes and just sit there and just you know meditate and really hone in on my hone in on myself but also you know making sure that I hone in on issues that I have and stuff like that. Um, I definitely, you know, for me, you know, going to the gym is probably the top thing for me because, you know what I'm saying, I get to go in, lift weights, do what I want to do in there. But also when I'm listening to music, it just, you know, takes me away from whatever I'm, I have to deal with beforehand or after the fact. And I just feel like being in the gym, it just gives me that free, clear head um, just to be able to, you know, move forward with my thinking and stuff like that. Um, I also like to write too. Um, just write down how I'm feeling or, you know, 
how a situation may affect me. Um, that's that's probably my top three things that I like to do because, you know, I tend to, you know, have issues here and there. And uh, sometimes I get down on myself or I start feeling bad one day. But I just know that if I do one, I, if I do one of those three things, then I know that moving forward, I'll be, you know, greater in my mental stability. So that's my top three. Um, what are some ways that you combat with mental health? <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of mine are, are similar as well. Um, I would say that I do write as well. I do write down kind of what I'm feeling or uh, try to use poetry as well to kind of explain what I'm feeling or explain kind of, uh, you know, what's going on with me. Because uh, I, I mean, I mean, I'm be honest, I, I struggle, you know, during the pandemic, uh, you know, with with mental health, just because you know, being a news reporter, having to report on this and, you know, having that worry of possibly getting COVID and, you know, uh, spreading to, you know, um, co-workers and just, you know, dealing with it from day to day, you know, adjusting from, you know, working in the office all the time and being around my co-workers and, you know, having kind of that, you know, downtime to myself when I'm not working to really, um, you know, just being at home all the time and not feeling as motivated to do things. Um, for me, it took probably about uh, a couple weeks a month to really adjust and kind of get to the point where I was comfortable, you know, dealing with, with mental health and, and dealing with, you know, all those things that come with being the pandemic and worrying about, you know, am I going to be able to go to the store this week? You know, is it safe to go out and do things? Uh, that I needed to do to to basically survive. So it was it was a tough time, you know, during the, the first month or so of the pandemic. Um, you know, the worry about family as well, how they're doing, especially with Georgia as a hot spot. So you know, it was a lot, but you know, talking to family as well definitely helped. Having uh, Zoom sessions with family and friends uh, helped as well. You know, just talking to people and and you know, checking on them, see how they were doing during the pandemic. Uh, that helped as well. And then focus my energy into other efforts, you know, outside of work. Um, you know, for me, you know, is writing the the variety of things I do, uh, you know, watching football film, you know, watching up and coming players, things like that. That also help, you know, me kind of deal with mental health uh, because I already know that, you know, they're even dealing with harder things, but being able to put my efforts into other things, you know, outside of work and, not just sitting around thinking about coronavirus and, you know, how it's affecting other people and people are dying, et cetera, et cetera. I think being able to, you know, become sort of self-sufficient in the fact that I don't need to, you know, just worry about doing just one thing, you know, being able to do a multitude of things and, and just keeping myself busy. I think that really helped me. Uh, and then just using my voice as well. Um, you know, over over this time during the pandemic as well, you know, when everything went down, you know, at the end of May with George Floyd, being able to use my voice and have those tough discussions with uh, people that, you know, I write or work with and, you know, using Twitter as a platform and, and getting my thoughts out there and, you know, once again, writing down my thoughts of what's going on, 
I think it's it's really therapeutic, you know, to write things down and, and use that as a, you know, kind of a coping mechanism because, I mean, you can talk to other people, you can have a therapist, et cetera, et cetera, but sometimes you don't want to burden people with what you're going through. So being able to write that down and having a, a spot, a place where you can just let it all out on, on paper and, you know, not worry about, you know, what's, you know, what other people are going to think or et cetera, like that, being able to, to just write that down and, and have that as an option. I think that that helped me as well. So I think that, you know, it's important to find your niche and, and find something that will help you cope. And, you know, whether it's people, whether it's writing, you know, whether it's music, you know, music helped as well for me. Uh, just listen to music and listen to things that, you know, some of the, you know, some of the rappers, some of the singers, some of those, you know, artists, history in general are going through as well. I think that kind of hits home too. So I think that, you know, the combination of those things uh, helped me, especially during the pandemic, you know, when, when everything was tough. Yeah, that was beautifully, beautifully put. Um, I can thoroughly agree with that. Um, like I said, um, if you ever need anything, just let me know. Um, like I said, I'm here for you. Um, so yeah, um, that was, that was very well put out. I have no comeback for that one. Um, moving right along with it. So the Clippers, um, what are your thoughts on the Clippers moving forward, brother? Well, I mean, it's disappointing from a fan perspective. Everyone thought that we were going to get, you know, the Lakers and Clippers in the Western Conference Finals. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's basketball. You know, sometimes on paper you look good as a team. You know, on paper you, you, know, you look like you're a championship contending team. On paper, you look like you have the advantage, but it really comes down to mentality and, and the will to win. And the Denver Nuggets have had that the last two series. They come down, come back from 3-1 in both their series, which is shocking, but at the same time, it's not. The pandemic basketball is really, I think, is the purest form of basketball we'll ever see in the fact that there's no outside distractions. There's no, you know, getting away from the game you're always going to be there at the game you're always going to be around it you know uh paul george opened up about his mental health as well and it was tough for the players to adjust to not being at home after games and not being around family and friends so that's that's a tough thing to deal with but at the same time when you're looking at pure basketball the nuggets wanted more man i mean i think that we don't give enough credit to the Nuggets and what they did. When they're playing their best basketball, they are one of the hardest teams to beat. They are just like the Miami Heat. They have you, if they have you right where they want you, it it's over. If Jokic is controlling the game, you know, if Jamal Murray is really putting the ball in the hoop, if their bench players are playing well, I think that they're probably one of the better built teams in the Western Conference and possibly in the NBA. They have one of the deepest rosters. They have young players that haven't even tapped into their potential, uh, Michael Porter Jr., as well as Bol Bol. So they have, they have the intangibles to win. 
Now it's about whether they can do it on a consistent basis. Obviously, they lost game one to the Lakers already. But getting back to the Clippers, I mean, I think we're just realizing that Paul George is just not the player that we thought he was going to be when he took the Pacers to the Eastern Conference Finals and took LeBron and the Heat to the brink. He's just not that same player anymore. You can credit it to the injury. You can credit it to the mentality. But he's just not the same player he once was. Obviously, he had the MVP-type season with OKC a couple seasons ago. And then he hurt his shoulder, and he hasn't been the same since. So I think that he's already hit his peak as a player. I don't think he's going to get any better. I think that at this point now, it's about him maintaining his level of play right now. And, you know, in the playoffs, he just hasn't put forward great efforts. I think that, you know, uh, Kawhi Leonard was really the only one in that series that played consistently. And he played a a terrible game seven. We're not going to get past that. But I said this on Twitter. I'm going to say this now. We can't excuse – you can't slander KD and Russell Westbrook's game seven performance against – well, game six performance against the Golden State Warriors in 2016 – and not mention Kawhi Leonard and Paul George's performance in game seven. Because at the end of the day, a lot of people killed, you know, Durant and Westbrook and said, you know, how can you shoot this horribly? Well, OKC's defense, they didn't have a great all-around team. The Clippers did. The Clippers had a great all-around team, had great bench players, had role players had players that could put the ball in the hoop, players who played defense, and they did none of that. You know, uh, Lou Williams really wasn't Lou Williams through the game five through seven. It was just basically the Kawhi Leonard show, Montrez Harrell play here and there, but he was getting bullied by Jokic. And the Clippers were supposed to be the bullies, and they weren't. They were the one getting bullied by the Nuggets. So, to me, Doc Rivers is on the hot seat because now this is – third 3-1 blown lead that is inexcusable when they clip when the Clippers lost in 2015 to the Rockets after blowing a 3-1 lead and they were basically at the peak of the Clippers you know they had Blake Griffin DeAndre Jordan you know Jamal Crawford Chris Paul all those pieces and they lost then in basically a similar type of talent possibly even better this season and do the same thing. Yeah, it's not looking good for Doc Rivers. He's going to land another coaching job, and he he's a fantastic coach, but he's just not going to get them over the hump. It really, to me, it's like he's in like that second or third tier of coaching, right? So first tier, Nick, Nor- Nick Nurse, he's up there. Eric Spolstra. Um Though those two, you know, stand out to me. Uh, Greg Popovich, coaches that can have a game plan and have specific plays that they draw. Uh, you can put Brad Stevens up there at, at some points as well. He's he's a terrific, you know, coach and and scheming and whatnot. When you're Doc Rivers and you've been around the game so long, you're not adjusting to what other teams are doing. That's disappointing you got to be able to adjust, and I just feel like the Clippers didn't do that. Now, you know, what they do with Paul George, they got to keep him. You know, he's on a big contract. They have to keep him. And maybe they come back next year ready for another run, but they need to get younger. They aren't going to be able to do so because they traded so many picks away to get Paul George 
So now they're in, stuck in a in basically no man's land. You know, Pat Beverly, he's basically antagonist at this point. He's not as valuable as he once was. Nobody's scared of him. You know, no one's scared of his defense because he's just all talk. He's just basically an, an antagonizer on the basketball court. You know, he doesn't bring a whole lot of value. You know, you need a scoring point guard. You need a point guard that's going to really set up the offense. And I feel like that's what they're missing right now. They don't have a point guard that can get himself, in, uh, you know, get himself his own bucket. You know, you can run the offense through PG and Kawhi, but you can't just constantly have them take the ball of the court, pick and roll, pick and roll, create, create, create. You got you to gotta build some sort of system, some sort of way to get them ready to go and get them, you know, moving offensively that, you know, is very, you know, I think not, not the same as before. I think they just need to figure it out. So hopefully they do. Uh, but we'll see. But it, man, it's a disappointment for the Clippers. I thoroughly agree, but I'm not surprised because the Clippers are always going to be second fiddle to the Los Angeles Lakers, and it's always going to be Lakerland over there. Um, I was really thoroughly surprised though by Kawhi Leonard's game seven. Um. A lot of people tell me that he is the best player in the world, um, you know. And Game 7 really showed me who the best player in the world is currently still right now to this day. And it's that man in, it's that man in the purple and gold, man, uh, LeBron. But that Game 7 was really disappointing from top to bottom, just from Kawhi, PG, and Lou Will and them. They just did not want it. In the fourth quarter, you could just tell it was it was already it was already starting. It was missing too many shots, and then after that, it was pretty much over. Um, like you said, you know, you can look good on paper all day, but if you if you not get on the court, you're not hooping. You know, you gonna get blown off the court, and they got blown off the court in Game Seven. They didn't want it, and it was just it looked like they were just outmatched. And um, you got to give so much credit to the Nuggets because. A lot of people had them out. As soon as they went down 3-1, it was pretty much over. Um, but they came back and really won that series. Um, now, how do I feel about the Clippers moving forward? Um, yeah, I, I think Doc Rivers is on a high seat, but I don't think he loses his job as of yet. I think they're going to give him one more year to see what he can do with that talent that they have. But he definitely is on a hot seat, but I don't think they're going to get rid of him this year. I think they'll give him about one more year to see what he can do with that talent on the team. Um, yeah, they need a point guard badly. Patrick Beverly is not going to get the job done. He's not a scoring threat. He doesn't really pose as a threat as a defensive player no more because he's like, what? What is he, like six feet, six one, six two? A lot of these guards now are like six four, six five. man. It's pretty much you get a shot up over him. So they just have to get a point guard that can score, get a bucket, that can initiate the offense without having to run their offense through PG and Kawhi. Um, yeah, I, 
I, I really have no words for them. I'm just thoroughly surprised that they lost that game. And um, I hope they do better moving forward for sure. Um, everything all right over there, Captain? You good? Uh, uh, so what do you think about the East and Western Conference Finals? So far, um, quick thoughts. Quick thoughts. Yeah, so far, I mean, I'm surprised that the Heat went up 2-0. I thought it was going to be pretty much a seven-game series, but the Celtics got going Hayward back. Uh, I think they got their their edge back. I think that the Heat took them out out of their element, like they've done to everybody else in the playoffs. Uh, they've really uh, done a you know nice job, you know, disrupting everyone and disrupting their flow. Um, and I think that. You know, that's important when, you know, you're playing in a conference finals, you know, disrupting everyone. But I think, you know, Celtics adjusted last night and figured out a way to uh, get, you know, get the ball in the hoop and, and figure out a defensive plan. Because I think, you know, the Heat are one of the deepest rosters, but at the same time, so are the Celtics. The Celtics have more prominent scores, I believe, than the Heat. They have a lot of surrounding talent. They have a lot of players that can uh, score off the drill, but they're not volume scores, you know, like Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. You know, Celtics, you got Kimba, you got Jalen Brown, you got Jason Tatum, and you got Gordon Hayward all can get you 20 a night. So I think that the Celtics are going to find their footing in the series. I think they're still going to win. They want to see a Celtics-Lakers finals. Um, and I think that's it's, it's going to be, you know, going to be a great series either way. Uh, but, you know, on the Western side, you know, the Nuggets have to slow down and play half-court offense uh, and also get out in transition. You know, they had to have a nice balance between the two. I think that the Lakers struggle with transition defense and, you know, being able to get the ball down the court, have the ball in Jokic's hands, him making plays, Jamal Murray scoring off the, you know, transition and, and really creating for himself. Plus, the bench players, when they come in, they got to really make a contribution. I think that's the biggest advantage that the Nuggets have over the Lakers. Nuggets have a deeper bench, but they have to really uh, take advantage of it. So I think that, you know, right now I got the Lakers in five. Uh, but if it goes past game five, I think the Lakers are in trouble. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, as far as the Eastern Conference, um, I was surprised about the Heat going up 2-0, but not surprised because they've been playing like dogs this whole playoff, this whole bubbles. Uh, honestly, it was a bounce back game for the Celtics. They really needed that game because if they went, if they were going to go down 3-0, you know, it would have been a tough. They would, they would have been in a tough spot. Um, but you're right; they do have the pieces. Gordon Hayward coming back, I really feel like that solidified them and helping them, you know, create stability, but also know that they have a guy that can come off the bench and give them 20. They give him that confidence that, yeah, you know, he can get us 20, we're, you know, we're going to be good now. So he definitely played a role as a facilitator last night, which helped them a lot. Um, they just have to continue to keep up their performance. Kemba, JB, Jason Taylor, they all have to play well every game from here on out, you know, to solidify them to go to the finals. Um, Western side, uh, Lakers, I just think overall, they just have too many bigs that can, they can throw at Jokic. 
Jokic has to deal with Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, and Anthony Davis. That's just, I think that's just too much for one man. So, um, they neutralize Jokic. All Murray, it's just all Murray now. And um, I mean Murray can get he can he can get a bucket now, but he gonna have to be able to score all the points, and that's just gonna be tough. So, um, I think the Lakers are gonna you know take care of business with that one. So yeah, I, I, uh, I want to say Lakers Celtics, but I just have to see. Right now, I'm gonna say Lakers Celtics. I'm not gonna count the Heat out, but I think the Celtics um, are definitely gonna uh, take care of business and make sure they get to the finals. All right, uh, week one of the NFL. Well, week two is currently going on right now, but um, week one of the NFL. Who, who are what team impressed you the most during week one? And what team disappointed you in week one? All right. Um, so, let's see. Team that impressed me most in week one. Um, I would say I think the Steelers impressed me week one. I know they played the Giants, but the defense is just nasty. You know, they mm-hmm. just have a really, really top-notch defense that is hard to get the ball down the field against. Um, you know, their pass rush with Bud Dupree and TJ Watt was devastating to the Giants. That was pretty much the difference in the game. Uh, team that disappointed me most. Um, that one's kind of tough um, just because, you know, it's week one and you don't want to overreact or anything like that. But I would say uh, probably the Texans was were the most disappointing team because you expected even with DeAndre Hopkins gone that they were going to put up a fight against the Chiefs but they just couldn't do anything offensively so it sucks that Watson just signed an extension because that team is not trying to win anything big right now they can compete for a division title but they're not going to get far so that's disappointing. Um, really, since that first half performance against the Texans, I mean, against the Chiefs when in the playoffs last year where they were destroying the Chiefs, they haven't looked the same. So I don't know what they're building there. Um, they're just a disappointing franchise right now. Coming in a close second, it was the Vikings. Uh, their defense looked poor against the Green Bay Packers. How about you? Um, week one. Who impressed me the most? Um, I want to say the Arizona Cardinals, man. That team that they put together with DeAndre and Kyler Murray, and they and they beat the um, team that went to the Super Bowl last year, which is you know pretty shocking. But yeah, I like I like Arizona Week One. I I really think the duo that they have with DeAndre and Kyler Murray is going to do some damage all year, and they still got the Larry the Legend, Larry Fitzgerald. His veteran presence there is just going to help them out all around. And I like their defense. I really like their safety, Buda, Buda Baker, man. Buda Baker be out there making plays. Um, they have a good defense also. They got Isaiah Simmons. He's a he's a dog out there. I like that. I like that squad for sure. They definitely impressed me week one. Um, the team that disappointed me uh, week one, um, I'm going to say – Um, 
I also like the Seattle Seahawks as well. Their their performance as well. They they looked like they was clicking, and Jamal Adams fit right into that defense. They had like eleven tackles, a sack. He really, you know, he's really all over the field. Um, the team that disappointed me. Um, I'm going to go with Dallas. Um, I'm going to go with Dallas, even though I'm not really surprised, but I'm going to go with Dallas. Um, I really felt like since they got better offensively in the draft, I just felt like they were just going to take it up a notch on offense. And it just seemed like they couldn't really get nothing going on offense um, all game. So, you know, I, I'm really disappointed in them. It's only week one, but for for me, I just felt like the Cowboys could have put together a better effort than they did. Um, like I said, I'm really not surprised about their performance. So, but I'm really dis- I was really disappointed that you know the Cowboys didn't put together a, a better effort than that. Yeah, I agree with the Cowboys. They, like I said, I'm not like you said. I'm not surprised that they underperformed. They've been doing that years, <laughs> so years. many years. So I think that they just need a different offensive coordinator. Kellen Moore is just not getting it done. You got C.D. Lamb, you got Amari Cooper, you got Zeke. There is no way you shouldn't put up at least twenty-seven points a game this year. Right, right. So, hopefully they do. They play the Falcons. Uh, that's the battle of two teams I just despise. I mean, so I don't. I could care less who wins, but I think that they really have to take a step forward offensively this week, or it's going to be another disappointing season for the Cowboys. And at this point. The best team, best looking team right now in the NFC East is the. Actually, I should I should pick the Eagles. They they deserved to to be one of the disappointing teams as well. But the best looking team right now is it is the Redskins. I mean, excuse me, the Washington Football Team, not the Redskins. They are no longer called that. So uh, you know, the Washington Football Team is looking quite dangerous with their defensive line. Uh, that that was another team that impressed me as well. So I think you know. The Cowboys got turned around if they want to get somewhere. The Saints performance. What you thought about the Saints, brother? Hometown, hometown cooking. What you thought about them? So the Saints defense looks really good early in the season. Usually we talk about the Saints giving up too many yards, too many points, but they did a really nice job against Tom Brady. A lot of people picked the Bucks to win. The Saints defense had a lot to prove, and they proved that, forcing two Tom Brady interceptions. Marcus Williams, again, lurking. It seems like every week one he has an interception. He had one last year, too. Um, you know, when they try to throw it deep to DeAndre Hopkins, same thing. Try to throw it deep to Mike Evans, same result. Janoris Jenkins looks like a really good DB2 for the Saints. You know, a lot of people question if he still had legs left, but he just needed to be on a better defense with a better scheme. Obviously, the Giants don't know what they're doing defensively. They still have a lot of question marks. But – Picking him up was a really good, nice pickup. Lango, Eli Apple was smart. It was time to go. And, you know, we locked up Kamara and Demario Davis for, you know, next couple of years. I think that was important steps. Obviously, Ramchek and Lattimore will be next. Uh, you know, a 2017 draft class, probably one of the tops of any team in NFL history in terms of production, what they mean to the team, et cetera. Offensively, I really think that the Saints are going to – it's going to like a, the, the 2011 Broncos – well, 2013 Broncos when, you know, they played uh, 
you know, the – no, it was 2015. I, I can't get my years right. When they played the Carolina Panthers in a Super Bowl, I think that's kind of what we're shaping it, it up to be for the Saints. I don't think Breeze is going to be throwing 300, 400-yard passing games anymore. Uh, I think if he gets to 300, we'll be lucky. But the the, the Saints offense, uh, maybe I'm just overreacting, but at the same time, I just don't see them just being as, you know, pass heavy. I think that the Saints will, are really going to get their running game going this year and have that balanced offense where Drew Brees doesn't have to throw a crazy amount of times to win. I think that's the best Saints team to have at this point in his career. I don't want Drew Brees to have a noodle arm in the playoffs anymore, man, you know, or have bad playoff performances. And it starts with the offensive line. They made some additions. Cesar Ruiz is going to make his official start on Monday Night Football against the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, the Saints D-line held up okay, you know, against the Bucks. You know, some some plays were hit or miss. Um, but, you know, they played against a talented Bucks team and came away with a victory. Pretty much controlled the game pretty much the entire time after the Bucks went down and scored that first possession. So very impressed with the Saints defense. I think the Saints offense has a lot of room to improve, but I think they will do so. They'll they'll be able to get a nice rhythm uh, by midseason. Super Bowl or bus. This is the year for it. We have the team for it. The defense looked amazing. Man, it was just such a, a thrill to watch Marcus Williams get that pick and then Janoris Jenkins get a pick six. Like, just the defense, man, they really did their thing. Offensively, Alvin Kamara is back. He's healthy. You can tell. He's smiling. He's doing his thing out there. It's just nice to see. You got to love it, man. Um, I think moving forward, I think the offense is going to get better. That's just week one. They didn't have no preseason. I mean, you know what I'm saying? They didn't have – I mean, they, they didn't really have a training camp. It was kind of, but it wasn't, like, thorough out. But um, I think their off- offensively is going to get better. I think Drew Brees, I think he still give us those 300-yard games sometimes. But I don't think it's going to be needed as often since they have um, Alvin Kamara back at 100%. You know what I'm saying? And then they got Latavius Murray you being a bruiser. So um, I think, you know, moving forward, offensively, they're going to get better each and every single week, you know. And Mike, with Mike Thomas being out, you know, that gives him time to heal up, you know, not have to worry about anything because, you know, the Saints going to take care of their business. And plus, we still have Emmanuel Sanders, Jerry Cook, Taysom Hill. So we still have weapons on offense that's going to take care of what Mike Mike did. So I think offensively they're going to get better each and every single week. Defensively, they're just going to continue to be dogs, man. They, they were really being dogs out there making Tom Brady not – want to come to the NFC South. You know what I'm saying? He wanted this challenge. Well, you got to play some of the big dogs in the, in the NFC South now. So um, I was really impressed with the Saints performance all around from top to bottom, even special teams. Mustad does the thing every single year. It's just like he just he just gets better every year. You know what I'm saying? And he does what he does. And I can't wait to see what Harris does on, on a kickoff return and punt returns. You know, I'm hoping to get about a couple this year. I really hope he get about at least three or four. But we definitely going to see moving forward. Um, last thing, um, 
which is, you know, is going to be very crucial in these coming weeks moving forward. Um, voting, man. Um, we need to get to those polls, man. We need to vote. Voting is just so crucial right now, and it's just so important. We have to, we have to make our voices heard, and we just need to go out there and vote, man. Um, my opinion this is my opinion only personally. This this man in office is not is not doing a job for us right now, and I'm just not, I'm not I'm not for it no more. So I'm really I'm really ready to get this get to the polls and vote and make my voice heard, man. And um. Voting is, is going to be vitally important in this upcoming election. So I want everybody to make sure that they go out, register to vote, tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody you don't even know, put it everywhere. Voting is vitally important. We need to go out and vote and make our voices heard. Um, I mean, give me some of your thoughts on, you know, this upcoming election and, you know, this voting season. Yeah, I think, you know, the, you know, kind of thing I want to emphasize is, you know, not only voting, but understand where you're voting and, you know, identify your your polling stations and, and places to vote, especially in Georgia. We know about the voter fraud. We know about how, you know, they control where you can, you know, go and vote, basically, which is disappointing that they're trying to restrict people from being able to vote and being able to have their voices heard. And, you know, and especially in black dominated neighborhoods, they're having one, two, three polling st stations open for thousands of people. So my biggest thing is make sure not only that you're registered, but make sure that you stand in line and vote. You know, I know that people have jobs to tend to and have things to deal with, but, making your voice heard is the most important thing, even if you have to stand in line for hours. And it's just ridiculous what happens in Georgia and, and a lot of other places in the country that try to have voter suppression. So I think it's important that we, you know, as a community, a black community, and in general, that we vote. I think that not voting is just as dangerous as voting for the man in the White House now. You know, you're basically co-signing with what's going on and allowing yourself to be subjected to another four years of division, of racism, of misogyny, all types of things from uh, the person in office now. So I think that's important that we get out and vote and make our voices heard, because if not now, then when, you know, we can't preach, you know, Black Lives Matter and all these things without also doing our part in the voting realm and making our voices heard. So I think that you have to put actions with words and, and go out and do what you need to do. 100% agree. Um, we need to make our voices heard this election. Um, that voter suppression thing is really ridiculous. And, you know, we just need to make sure that we get out there and do what we're supposed to do. You know, Black Lives Matter, this is our time to rise up and make sure that our voices are heard and make sure that, you know, we put a, somebody in office who is for the people and about the people. So, um, man, it, this was a definitely a great episode. I like the in-depth things that we talked about. Um, any positive affirmations you want to give us, brother, before we get up out of here? 
Yeah, um, I just want to leave people with, you know, just reach out to the people that you care and love about and just check in on them. You know, we're going through a pandemic still. We're going through, you know, people losing jobs, uh, people, you know, kind of waiting to get their stimulus check and things like that and, and waiting for, you know, things to be back to normal. So make sure you reach out to people, uh, whether they're going through a tough time, whether they seem okay, and just ask how they're doing. You know, a simple text, a simple call can go a long way into making their day and just checking in on them, making sure that they're cared and loved for. So just make sure you check in on somebody today. Uh, make sure you tell someone that you love them and, you know, just continue trying to fight through and understand that good times are coming. I know that, you know, it's not necessarily, uh, you know, all uh, love and roses right now, but time, good times are coming and, you know, just continue to stay positive and, and check on the people you love. Love that, bro. I love that. Um, my positive affirmation is a famous Nipsey Hussle line, man. Never let a hard time humble us. We're going to get through these tough times. We're going to continue to move forward and we're going to have our voices heard. And we're going to get through all the, all, all of everything we're going through, we are going to get through. So that's my positive affirmation. Never let a hard time humble us. Um, it was a great episode, Dev. I appreciate it. Your feedback on everything. Um, any last words before we get up out of here? Yeah, like I said, uh, just continue to, you know, show love to the people that, you know, show love to you as well. And uh, check in on your family and friends and make sure that they're doing okay. Um, it's, there's really not much more to say than that. And, you know, just, you know, give a few plugs, you know, follow us on Instagram at dual vision 95. Same thing for our YouTube channel. And, you know, you can listen to us on Apple podcasts. Uh, We also trying to add Spotify to the mix as well as uh, try to get some more um, options available for people, uh, possibly SoundCloud as well. So uh, just continue to listen to us week in and week out, give us feedback And we hope we'll continue to bring you uh, great content.